Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, and we do indeed welcome you to the show. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com, coming at you right up until 11 o'clock, 57 minutes and 12 seconds, but who's counting of some of the most uh, highly adequate sports talk radio you're going to get. Along with the sports talk, of course, you can enjoy the outstanding, if not inspirational music of producer David Olson backstage in the Two Guys at a Mic show. Enjoy for the next 8.9 seconds. minutes, 8.9 seconds. We are a detail-oriented show, no question about that. It's all about attention to detail. We're an off-the-cuff sports show. We're on a tight schedule. Basically, everything me and Joel say on this show is tightly scripted and uh, wound neatly the night before by producer extraordinaire David Olson. And if you believe that, I do have some swampland in deep Florida I'd like to sell you. We got Bears Monday Night Football game to talk about uh, against the New York Giants. We got a lot of baseball action. Little Little League World Series, some pro football signings, a couple of injuries to talk about, and uh, I want to mention our Chicago Fire soccer team, by the way. I've had this in my notes for a couple of days. Uh, Big Dog, are you on the line? Uh, I'm, I'm on the line Beautiful, here. beautiful. Big Dog, Joel Radwanski. And real quick, because I've had this note for a couple of days, the Fire won over the weekend, Major League Soccer. Some cities have it, some don't. Their record now is three wins, seven losses, 15 Ties. I just got to get that out at the start of the show. Fifteen ties out of about twenty-two games. It's a beautiful thing. If, it's, if they really are three, seven, and fifteen, yes, that means that sixty percent of their games so far this season have ended in a in a knot. That's a that, that's impressive math. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but if that's, that's if exactly you're near, right. that's 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 impressive right off the cup. Very nice. But another way of looking at it, out of what they've played, the twenty-five games, big though, they've only lost seven. That's 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 not bad. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not so bad, but you also got to figure out that if, if they play 25 games, mm-hmm. okay, coach, uh, and they ha- that's that's really not too good in terms of the fact that they're, they have a 42 percent winning percentage. Yeah, and it, that's you, not you, good. You clearly could look at that record as it's almost the uh, the ultimate case of the glass half full or the glass half empty. Now, do you know how to figure out a winning percentage when you have ties included, coach? <sighs> well, I don't think you you count the ties. No, of course you do, because it affects your winning percentage. If a if, team, if a team, if a team in the NFL went 0 15 and one, yeah. they would have half of a victory. Okay, and their winning percentage would be point zero three one, <laughs> but they would still have half a victory. See, I'm not so, so like sure that's, that's. I don't think that's correct. I think when well, you no, when you no, when you no, figure no, out winning percentage, no, yes, yes, I'm a hundred percent right. You if a team eight, if a count, team is four six and two, their winning their percentage their winning percentage is forty percent. Four hundred. Four? No, 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 no. If a team is four, six, and two, <laughs> if, yes. if, if a team is four, six, and two, their yeah. winning percentage would not be forty percent. They well, played twelve games and they've only won four of them. Well, you tell me. What well, would well, there? I'm explaining it to you. Here's how you do it. You add so for every tie, you add half a win and half a loss. Okay. Each column, and then you divide. You played twelve games. You haven't played ten, so you would be. 
technically, if you were four, six, and two, you would take half the half the Okay, ties. so it'd be the equivalent of five wins out of twelve games. Uh, and you would you would do, you would okay. you would divide it like you were five and seven. Okay. Is how you do it. That's okay. why I divided okay. three, seven, and fifteen as okay. ten and a half by. 17 and a half. I was about ready to get into a big okay. argument with you, but that mathematics, I thought you were going a different way with it, but yeah, that mathematics, no, no, that makes sense. I was to explain logic to you. It's very okay. difficult explaining logic to you sometimes, but at oh, least we okay. had factual numbers that you, you, could, you couldn't argue with me anymore. So when we, when we argue, when we disagree, just to clarify your opinion here, when you're right, or well, when we argue, logic is on your side and illogic is on my side, is that what I hear you saying? That's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Okay. Thank you very much. Big Dog, how are you? Lots to talk about, including right off the uh, top of the top of the docket. Here we got Monday Night Football National TV, our beloved Bears exhibition game. Don't put too much stock into it, but they lose 13 to 41. Uh, not so good. I don't know if you will watch the game. I watched just snippets, but. Um, I, I, I only got the, the snippets, and I'm about to watch it right when we get off the, the phone okay. here because I, I was working all night last mm-hmm. night and had. A difficult evening is the best way for me to put it. That's just a situation. But it's still, life is all roses and happiness. We are. I'm glad life is all roses and happiness. When we break down the Chicago Bears after the tape, I don't know that you'll see a lot of roses and happiness, but I have to ask. And, again, there are a lot of kids that are not yet back in school. We're a family-oriented sports show, Big Dog. So, please, keep that in mind with your response here. But what were you doing last night that you were so busy? Oh, I was uh, I was working. I was working, uh, doing the workout paddles. And I don't know if it's really worth it for me doing that anymore. That, that it was. Doing the out. workout paddles. Yeah, so basically. What is that? It was supposed to be a group of 10, and I'm supposed to take a group of 10 people out, and all of a sudden, 22 extra people showed up. Ah, okay. I was stuck with 32 people by myself, getting them in and out of kayaks, and all, oh, and boy. people are showing up late. Yeah. And then some of the people are on the water, you know, why are we going yet? And then, you know, then the people that showed up late, they're like, why was it only an hour? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with these. Um, That's not. Good. Yeah, and, yeah, and then the, uh, the other half of the people were like, "I can't believe you, you, you did such a good job here. Thank you very much." Uh-huh. So I was like, "Oh, thank you. I appreciate that you noticed what the heck was going on here." What happened to your second staff member? All I got. When you have thirty-two people, you need like four or five. Yes, you do. Absolutely. Okay? That's the best way for me to tell you. I'm so surprised they let you go out. Two, three, four, five, coach. But that, I just just dropped that subject. But so mm-hmm. it's all okay. good. It's all good. So last night I did. Uh, I, I was uh, eating a burrito beach, a burrito, walked <laughs> over and started watching some of the, the Bears game. And the one thing I saw, the greatest thing that I saw all day was number 49, Winston Venable, the kid from Boise State, the weak outside linebacker, the playmaker. I had no idea the Bears got this kid. I didn't even watch the draft coach. So you realize that this is the first year I haven't followed the Bears through every single thing they've ever done. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And known every pickup. I mean, it's kind of like a surprise for me. This is like 1982 again for me. Well, okay. we are. We are reactionary sports talk radio and damn proud of it. Well, th- this kid, Winston Venable, at Boise State was yep. a flat-out playmaker. If you've watched any Boise State games, it, don't say, well, he was beating up on the Nevadas and Louisiana Texas. When they played the big-time schools, this is when that kid would shine and always like force a fumble, intercept a pass. What position does he play? Linebacker? Uh, yeah, he was a weak outside linebacker. Right, you know, well, he would be the guy like he just. Of course, he's not going to play that in the pros. He's going to play strong safety. Okay, good. Or, that that solved because I was going to ask you all. I've been here, well, not all, but one of the main things I've been hearing about in the Bears preseason is obviously our linebacker core is strong, but there's no depth at linebacker. We need to pick up another linebacker. Brian mm-hmm. Ewu is the only legitimate reserve. I was going to ask you, what about your guy Winston Venable? But he's he's playing on the backfield. 
Yeah, yeah, he's way too small. But okay. to be honest with you, if, if the Bears got great defensive line play and and uh, which they and will get, my, my official Bears correspondent Cloudy has told me, uh, where is uh, Oma Bay Bakoye? Bakoye, suppose he didn't do much yesterday. And uh, there's a couple. So if you get great line play, you could put a 215 pound guy out there playing linebacker because he's a flat out playmaker. Did you see the hit in the open field on the kickoff coach that no. he made? Oh, he erased somebody. Open field. You know, to tackle somebody in the open field in the NFL is hard enough, but when you can actually have a form tackle where you run down at full speed, break down, drop your hips, and run right through somebody, tackle them, wrap up, drive them to the ground, get up and just run off the field like you've been there before, Coach. I legitimately I'm almost squeezed all the juice out of my burrito when I saw that. <laughs> I almost popped up on myself. Uh, what better and place I, to all watch? I could say was, that's Winston better from Boise State. So all these people are like looking at me. And one guy was like, that was a play. That was a play. That's a real big fat dude. Yeah, well, they need so, guys uh, to step up on the special teams. That, that's a weakness right now, too. Dave Tom yeah. usually got his crew pretty well figured out. So maybe Winston Venable will help make the team. I'll keep an eye on him on special teams alone. But uh, Big Dog, early on, I noticed, uh, what was it, the week before David Olson, the Big Dog was watching the Bears preseason game at one of the uh, Hotsy Totsy Hotel fancy bars, Big Dog. And then, you know, yesterday at the Burrito Beat, this is going to be an interesting thing to find out each week, each Sunday, where you're watching the game. But Burrito Beach has got to be a wonderful place to watch the game and chow down at the same time. Yeah, well, it, it was the, the train station Burrito Beach. I got oh. the burrito and walked over to the snuggery. Okay. And, like, just sat in the... In so the, you, you brought your Burrito Beach burrito into the snuggery? It's all one complex, so just the train oh, station. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> Again, for the third time, I was at the train station watching I, the I, I, yep. <laughs> Okay. I was picturing like a nice burrito beach sports bar or something like that. Oh, okay. no, no. You don't know those those chain burrito beach places? Yep. And there, it's just like Chipotle. So I really don't like it all that much. Is there is there ground beef aged for like 28 days at Burrito Beach? Uh, no, but uh, I tell you, the girl who serves the, the food, I don't know what her age is, but she's been aged properly. She's been aged properly, huh? And I, I had to admit, I got like walking by and I was like, well, looks like I'll have a burrito today. Okay. Like, what's the special? Could be the. So. <laughs> Could be. I, by the way, I'm a big fan of fish tacos. If you big wanna... fan of those two. I, I, yeah. Now, the key is, believe it or not, I'm not kidding, you have to get either crunchy or the white corn tortillas. When you get the soft, Yellow corn tortillas in the fish taco. Mm-hmm. Not a good combo. Is it for some reason like the texture and the taste is not good? But I want you fish white corn, white crispy corn tortillas and fish tacos. Mm-hmm. Awfully good. Ooh, that's when done right. Awfully, yeah. awfully good with a little mango yeah. uh, yep. Yep. marinade, mango salsa. Uh huh. Oh heck yeah! Oh that that's good stuff. Sometimes I go for the soft flour tortilla. Talk a little food stuffs here in the two guys in a mic show only because big dog. The crunchy, as good as the crunch is and as good as the taste, if you're a real taco savant, after a couple of bites, basically, the crunchy taco has fallen apart, and you're eating it with yeah. your fork, unless you're really good at it. Maybe you've got a particular technique, which I haven't mastered. Now, uh, obviously, you, you've seen me in eating contests, and the only one I ever lost in my life, I lost to Joshua Fox. So you <laughs> do realize that I can shove a heck of a lot of food in, in my mouth, Yes, and I have the three-bite hard-shell taco uh thing down okay so for that second bite i have to admit i'm kind of cupping it in my hand and i'm really hurrying to eat that second bite so i can slam the rest of it in my mouth so what i hear hear you talk is to say one of the keys is that is to keep the shall we say keep the momentum going 
while the taco's starting to fall apart, you got to keep chowing down. See, I eat at a slightly slower pace, not able to keep the momentum going, and then I end up going fork by the time it's done. Yeah, and see, I usually don't have anything to worry about because if I'm eating in public with friends, I'm not yes. ordering tacos anyways. I'm ordering either, you know, like the carne asada, I'm ordering a burrito, mm-hmm. I'm ordering a, something massive. And I don't want to sit there and have to do the condiments on each individual thing. So mm-hmm. whenever I'm eating the tacos, it's usually the stuff that my friends have not finished. <laughs> so it's the leftovers, and it's like two hours yeah. later. So that's I'm all right eating tacos. I, I, I legitimately look like one by the time I'm done. <laughs> Ah, uh, wears it out of the sleeve. Oh, welcome. New sponsor of the Two Guys at a Mike Show, Burrito Beach. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. That's a lovely, lovely description, Big Dog. And now that we've uh, discovered that about you and the uh, the rough night the night before, now we can move on to your outstanding, outstanding analysis of the uh, Chicago Bear New York Giant game. By the way, I invite any of the listeners who want to check in. We lead off with football. We'll definitely get to baseball conversation. A couple other topics on the docket. Our phone lines are open today at 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. The first thing I want to throw at you, big dog. Surprisingly, Jake Cutler played the entire half. There were experts like yourself out there that said he'd only played two series. Yeah, is that what I said? I said no. I had no idea. I know these guys have to play a lot more. I can't wait to see when these backups come in, like week three, when somebody goes down for a year-long injury, coach. And these guys, considering that they have about only about. 65% of the practices that they used to because they, they cannot practice twice in a day. Mm-hmm. The fact that all these camps were shorter, so that's even less practices. So these coaches are just giving so much more rest to the first teams. And by the way, the Giants lost uh, Tyrell Thomas yes. yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Can you? The, the Giants have a really good football team, but they have no secondary. You can't win in yeah. the NFL if you have no TV. Starting defensive back, torn ACL, all likelihood out for the season yeah. in an exhibition game number two. That hurts. Even though these, we have miracle comebacks with with uh, ACL yep. injuries lately. Yeah, they do. You, you're done for six months. Okay, well, at least six months. I'll tell you a guy who's trying to make one of those miracle comebacks, and, and my inst- even though I haven't been there, my instincts say, you know what, it's not going to work, and that's uh, Danny Persia, my quarterback for the Northwestern Wildcats, all Big Ten first team, and it's they're trying to push him back. I guess the guy's worked out like a maniac to get back, Big Dog, but he's still limping around a guy that, you know, thrives on his mobility. I, My instincts say it's not going to have a good ending. I'm rooting for him, rooting for my cats, but there's another guy trying to come back from the ACL. No, so he's a free agent that any NFL team could pick up well, on the per Dan this Persia? Be his senior year. No, no. Should be his senior year? Yeah, Persia's a senior. I thought he was done. No, no, no. They're, they're another year of eligibility left. They're pumping him up for the Heisman Trophy, which I think is, so is a little bit too much. But Northwestern, you know, desperate for even any kind of a Heisman candidate. Yeah, you got to you got to follow our uh, college football scene, Big Dog. Damn, Purse is coming back. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, you know, if the, the flat out, it's as simple as this: if if Northwestern won the Big Ten championship this year, yep. Dan Purse should win the Heisman. Can't say that without watching the season unfold. Well, By the way, how, I gotta... else could, how else would they be the Big Ten champs? You know, unless he like put them on their back. I, I, they're not. I mean, they're like a good unit that's going to win eight games this year. But I mean, do because you really yeah. see them Nothing. consistently competing with all the top echelon teams? Uh, in not, the Big maybe Ten, not uh, close. And nothing wrong. You know, eight and four is not so bad. Well, that that's the way to do it. Yeah. So Dan Persa, eight if wins. they win the Big Ten. You know, then Dan Persa, heck yeah, hand that young man the Heisman. Of course, they 
They've got a, a big bulk and fullback like type running back coming back, don't they? Jake, well, they got Jacob Schmidt, Mike Trumpy, and then the speed back, Adonis Smith. I'm up on my cat football. Okay. Now, yeah. Trumpy is Bob Trumpy's son, right? I believe he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to correct myself, too, and then we'll get back to the Bears here. we got sidetracked. Yeah. But I yeah. uh, I don't think it was an ACL. In Persia's case, it was an Achilles, right? Yeah, you're right. It was an Achilles. Yes. It was an Achilles, yeah. Coach. Now yeah. it, all, it just all came back. All right. It but was the, definitely Achilles. And it was in the Iowa game, wasn't yes. it? Yes, after he threw a touchdown pass. That won the game. Yeah, started to celebrate, and all of us, you think it's just a little bit of a limp, and then all you watch him more and more, it's like, oh, boy. This is not good. The guy's got to sit out the rest of the season. But let us move back to the topic of conversation. The uh, New York Giant cornerback gets injured, big dog. And uh, fortunately for the Bears, Jay Cutler only got hit, what, one time, one sack? That's not too bad. Um, I didn't get to see enough of the first half to give you any analysis. But if you tell me he only got hit one time, mm-hmm. that makes me feel real, real good. I, I will tell you this. They, they were showing the. Uh, I've been watching a lot of highlights, and the first things I do is I look at the left and the right tackles on the offensive line immediately because yep. those are the big questions. And uh, uh, Jamarcus Webb looking like he's got really, really good feet and moving around. And and yesterday when I was I was seeing highlights, uh, uh, Carmini just coach just hammering people like uh, there was a slide protection, so there was nobody immediately off the ball. He just started looking for people and just started hammering everybody on double teams, coach. That's exactly if you're the, especially if you're the tackle and you're the man. If for some reason the whole defense is slant and you don't have a guy come across your face, you don't just stand there and be like, okay, my job is done, I step down. No, you find somebody to block. That was a thing of beauty. They got a man that's willing to go out there and establish himself as a bruiser mm-hmm. and on the right tackle. So that's good to know, Coach. Which is what they've been lacking for a long time, too. Mm-hmm. An offensive lineman and a running place, too, will give a little bit of a push. The Bears pass the ball early and often, and uh, Jay Cutler fairly effective. There were some drops. Roy Williams, by the way, still looking for his first catch of the NFL season, NFL exhibition season, big dog. Uh, Caleb Haney came in. I don't know if you saw this stat or not. But in the second half, 28 passes for Caleb Haney. They let him air it out. And third-string uh, quarterback Justin Verlander. Actually, his name's Nathan Enderley. I don't know why I keep calling him Justin Verlander. But the third-string quarterback never even got in, Big Doug. It was all Caleb Haney. I thought that was a surprise. I think that's good, too. I, I wanted to give him the whole game. Forget rotating these guys. Uh, give Enderley uh, like a, the whole fourth quarter next week or whatever you want to do. Yep. Uh, Haney really, really needs to be prepared to play because, well, let's face it, uh, Peyton, if Peyton Manning isn't even guaranteed to play 16 games this year, we better make sure that the Bears have a quality backup in Caleb Haney because mm-hmm. you know, it, would, it would be a joy if it's the Eric Kramer 1995 year where he takes every single snap, you know, gets to kneel down at the end of games a bunch of times. You know, hopefully that happens, but um, you, you got to have Caleb. Wouldn't it be nice if Caleb Haney uh, realized that every once in a while the, the Green Bay Packers, you know, drop out in a zone blitz and have a fat dude covering the, the hook zone. You know what I mean? Maybe if he was played a little more, he'd be better mm-hmm. prepared, and he wouldn't have thrown a touchdown to B.J. Raji last year. Yeah. You, know, you picked that out, but he, but you know, before that touchdown throw to B.J. Raji, he actually threw the ball extremely well under uh, rather adverse conditions, coming yeah. in a pressure-packed championship game with hardly any reps. Cutler gets injured all of a sudden. Caleb, you're in the ballgame. I thought no, no, he no, no, no. Well, you remember it was Todd Collins during the ballgame. Oh, so please. Remember I, I, that. No, yeah. I'm trying to strike that from my memory. Yeah, so, but, but I'm just saying I'm agreeing with one of your theories, Coach. You have to make sure that your backup yes. quarterback is ready to play. Yep. I mean, you really have to make sure of that. And it, Haney played well, 
but you know he made a lot of simple like oh man really type mm-hmm. like throws in that game and it was the NFC Championship game so that's the point is you better make sure this guy is ready now because the Bears are going to count on him at some point in this season. Mm-hmm. New York Giants offense looked awfully good against a supposedly and again it's an exhibition game doesn't mean a whole lot you can't really make much indications from it but the Giants offense under Eli Manning I think five. Series under Manning, they scored three touchdowns. Big dog Lovey Smith after the game. You know, he's a defense first coach. I know you're a defensive mentality guy. Was not happy with the fact that his defense couldn't stop the Giants. Really? Is that what it was? I saw the score like 13 to 6. Did they miss an extra point or something? Not sure. Are you sure they had three consecutive touchdowns? No, I didn't say three consecutive. I think out of Eli's five series, they scored three touchdowns. Okay. Which one is, of them, though, was from the one-yard line, wasn't it, after a long uh, kickoff a return? Block, yeah. No, a block. That's right, yep. Yeah. So I didn't see that. And block punts are unacceptable. The name of the game is football, meaning kick. The punt is, the punt is one of your most effective weapons in the game. And, I, and I'm being totally serious, mm-hmm. Coach, as someone who likes to attack the other team. A punt could totally change the whole entire game. You can't get those things blocked. It's your chance to gain 45 yards or more, possibly, of field position. Not to and worry, Dave. Dave Taub, our special teams coordinator, was just hiding some of his coverages. Okay. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. Didn't want to give away how he's actually going to block somebody up front. To me, the most dominant thing is somebody who's going to say, all right, Joel, what is one thing that you want to do to another team during this game? I would say, like, one of two things is hit the quarterback so hard that he throws the ball off his back foot and is almost knocked out as he's falling down and and you intercept it in return. Or the other one is to block a team's punt. That Mm -hmm. is the most embarrassing thing you can do to a team. It's humiliating. Mm-hmm. I wonder what block returns for touchdowns, like the percentage of times you win games when you yes, do that. because there is that, that psychological windfall that follows it. Yeah, ask yes. the Chargers. Yep. I mean, they lost four games last year where they had punt blocks for touchdowns. Four, they had the number one offense and defense in football, and block punts cost them going to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and they were awesome. That team was really good last year, Coach. No question about it. A lot of people picking them to uh, maybe make the Super Bowl this year. They've been a popular pick for four or five years. We are visiting with my co-host and sports reactionary at its finest, sports reactionary du jour, if you will, Big Dog Joel Radwanski, our football expert here on the show. You want to visit with him, ask him any questions. He can react to your questions as well at 888-463-6748. All kinds of stuff on the docket. By the way, fantasy football fever is in high fever pitch mode right now. I'm hearing, uh, uh, you know, on the radio they're talking about all the time. I heard Buffalo Wild Wings advertising. Hold your fantasy football parties at Buffalo Wild Wings. We'll give you 10% off. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. My kid has been on the Internet, you know, preparing for school, I'm sure, uh, which starts tomorrow. He's got, like, two different fantasy drafts. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you're caught up into it, but the fantasy fans right now are – in heat, shall we say? Well, uh, I'll be—I I don't have to do any research. I don't have to do any of that. You know, all these people do all this research, and then what ends up happening is when the draft starts, all of a sudden somebody takes somebody that makes no sense, and all the dominoes start free falling. Coach, uh, I have to say, fantasy drafts are where that—that's where I make my money. Now, to anybody out there that's listening, hopefully people are in my leagues are listening right now. Oh, so you are—you uh, are a fantasy competitor. I, oh, are you kidding okay. me, Coach? I'm in six baseball leagues right now. Wow. I'm in first place in four of them. 
How many? In second place in one, and I'm in fourth place in the one <laughs> that I won, which I'm all upset about. You have no uh, idea. Big Dog is like the guy you you know goes to the bingo game and buys like eight cards. You yeah, I won. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, buddy. You got eight cards. Of no, course, no, you no, won. no, no. I tell you straight up what happened. Be, it, coach, this isn't like picking. <laughs> this isn't like picking the NCAA tournament. I'm in six different leagues with totally different sets of people all around the country. Okay. So hey, you want to be in my fantasy league? Cool. No. I'm, I don't, want, I don't want to have more than one face league, so I'm only in one, so no, I can't do it. No, no, Coach. I'm like, yes, and I go and win it. And I'll have – it's funny. I'll be watching a baseball game, and I'll be having the pitcher on the mound, and he'll be pitching against the guy that who's hitting, and I'm in, like, five different leagues. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I hit the home run, I can't even celebrate. So I'm like, yeah, big deal. That pitcher uh, you know Roughly, I mean? roughly how many fantasy football drafts will you participate in in the next two weeks? Only two. That's not Only two. So, uh, baseball, I'm much more of a baseball statistic guy. Mm-hmm. Fantasy football to me, I only play it because uh, a lot of my good friends play it. And But to me, it's, you can statistically quantify how good a baseball player is, and it's mm-hmm. just a lot closer. But in football, it just drives me crazy Like when people are like, oh, you know, I could be a GM because... I picked a great fantasy team with, you know, yeah, like that had anything to do with, <laughs> you know what I mean? You just got to somehow be lucky. Like if you take Roddy White this year, Roddy White's one of the best receivers in the game of football. But all of a sudden they get Julio, Julio Jones and just say the, the Falcons start dominating people. And guess what? They start blowing people up early and they start running the ball the rest of the game. They take advantage of Julio Jones. All of a sudden Roddy White, who's either that worst, maybe the third mm-hmm. best receiver in the game. Yep. All of a sudden, he has a season where he catches 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. All of a sudden, he's a fantasy disappointment. When when the Falcons wouldn't trade anybody in the league for him, so that that's why I've always liked fantasy baseball more than fantasy football. I just play now the leagues where you you get or you actually uh, see who will win games, like the the games for like you know the confidence points for the yes. week. So you mean actually picking the games? A little more skill there. I'm in every. I can't even imagine how many I'm in, of those I'm uh-huh. in. As many as I possibly Any can. Any chance if I, uh, you know, can I become an investor in you? Like, can I own 20 to 30% of your predictions? Are you available for you know stock fan, option? Do you know what FanDuel is, Coach? Beg your pardon? You ever hear of FanDuel.com? Uh, no. Okay, well, uh, a $10 investment yep. in this. They, you basically, they, they, they match you up against other people with fantasy baseball or football in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, I put $10 out of this thing. I'm up to $127. So I've made 117 so far, just week by week, getting matched up against different people around Ooh. the country. So is that legal? That's uh, David Olson. You're our director of uh, legality and law sophistication here. That sounds like it would be legal to me, right? You bet against somebody straight it's, up? Uh, and- it's monitored. I'm not exactly sure how it goes, but basically you put money into a bank, and then yeah. you get set up against other people, and then you either win or lose money. Interesting. I continue to win. Interesting. Sounds a little shaky. Hopefully you haven't gotten yourself in trouble because, as you know, Big Doug, our show is uh, at least mildly popular with law enforcement personnel. So, um, Especially the FBI from what Peter Lance has told us. <laughs> I'm glad the FBI is listening. How about the – are we as popular with the CIA or bigger with the FBI? I, w- I don't think I, – I think the CIA, re- CIA realizes that I'm, that I'm not actually, like, a threat to the United States. Mm-hmm. Possible. Now, the government, maybe. Yeah. But the just, people of this great country, absolutely not. I just got a rare, rare, rare document in the mail last week. Speaking of CIA and FBI, this one goes to IRS. 
on CBS. It's the IRS with CBS and NCAA and UCLA against USC as we go all initials here. But I actually got a positive letter in a battle with the IRS, big dog, for uh, past due taxes for a company thing. And it was like complete. Everything's fine. You owe nothing. You know, we want to, I don't know if they use the word congratulate, but I, I had to read the thing like five different times. So I do want to thank, maybe the IRS is listening. Maybe that's why I got a break. You know, I, I somehow something happened to me where uh, you have no, I get like a letter every single week from the IRS, and it's over like yeah. five dollars. Well, you get. I call them about it, and they say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong. Everything is fine with your account." And I'm like, "Why do I keep on getting these letters?" And they're like, "We don't know." I'll read the letter back to them. They're like, "That that, that makes no sense because your account is fine." But I keep getting these. Joel's so had so many things, Dave, from the IRS. He gets, like, Christmas cards, you know, Happy Easter. Joel, how you doing? Just checking in. Good to see you. You know, it's nice that they know you on a personal basis, big dog. Yeah, I'm not so happy about it. <laughs> Just kidding, my friend. Just kidding. 888-463-6748. If you're a law enforcement personnel out there or working for the IRS and you want to check in, talk to the big dog or the coach, you can talk sports. Or if you want to check into our background, you know, we can we can conduct a little investigation over the air. It might be good radio. Who knows? Um, all right, real quick, finishing up, because I do want to get to some baseball action, big dog. I'm going to read you a stat which you will not be happy with, and this is Sports Reactionary Radio. Uh, rushing the football, mono versus mono, straight up front, blue-collar football, which I know the Bears and yourself pride yourself in. Bears. Bears, 26 rushes, 81 yards. Giants, 27 rushes, 218 yards. That's not good. The the Bears number, I'm not worried about. The, the Giants numbers really being able to just run down the, the Bears' throat like that, ridiculous. And especially, you know, and if you think about the Bears, it is a little concerning because they were trailing, and, and you shouldn't average three yards a carry when you're, yeah. when you're trailing in a football game. There should be a little bit of room for you to run. And the Giants are hammering you. You know, I know it's preseason to work on everything, but you know they do play game situations. Tackle somebody, and it's every year. It's the preseason. We always bitch that the that the the Bears don't tackle, and then all of a sudden the first game they do. So hopefully that's another year of this going on, Coach. Hopefully mm-hmm. that that's what that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm hoping is going on. But I, I will say this: Marion Barber and the few carries that I saw him extremely effective. He was getting three and four every single time, and Maybe that's boring to everybody, but the, uh, Jay Cutler and uh, Mike Mark, if he's getting protected, if they're protecting Jay Cutler, when he's in second and seven, second and six, and third and two, because if, if it's third and two and you actually have a threat to run, the Bears are going to be fine. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the Bears rushing. But the, the Giants, 218 yards, that's but eight yards a carry, Coach. Ridiculous. Yep. yep, and again, that's into the strength. And again, it's exhibition game number two. We're not going to read too much into it, but the defensive line is the strength of the Chicago Bear football team, so that's mm-hmm. slightly disconcerting. Marion Barber, by the way, I saw on the second half a couple of plays, which you've heard me talk about this before, just a good, old-fashioned, straight pitch. You know what you don't see anymore? It's like everybody runs between the tackles, but they ran a couple times straight Pitched to Marion Barber. One time he picked up two, three yards. The next time I think he picked up nine or ten for a first down. But I like that play, Big Doug, the quick pitch. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's an effective play because even though he's a bruising style running back, like like I, I keep on saying the last month, he can get to the edge on you. And, you know, if you get him a little bit of space and you get a bruiser like that, that mm-hmm. a, a safety or a corner has to be the first one who makes initial contact. Yep. 
you know, there's there's one thing when you have a speed burner out there and corners will come up and they'll dive. Nobody wants to run into this uh, Marion Barber. No DB in the league. He's he's not like Brandon Jacobs, who Major Wright found out was is a man, is a grown up man. Yesterday, I have not <laughs> seen it, but I have yep. received text messages from it. Body yep. was saying that that's how they started out. Sports Center was by Brandon Jacobs running over Major Wright. So uh, that's something I'm going to have to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, Barry and Barber's got that explosiveness in him. Another great thing talk about explosiveness is the the Matt Forte play. Yep. The little screen. And, you know, that, that's the way a screen's supposed to be set up. Not a quick screen to a wide receiver, but make those deep, the D linemen chase your quarterback for a long time and then just loft it over to your, your athlete who's got a wall of uh, humanity in front of him. Matt Forte, they broke right and then broke left and outran everybody to the corner. Coach, that was an awfully nice play to see. He looks like he's healthy and fresh and explosive. Showed that little burst, yeah, explosiveness. Mm-hmm. That, that was that was nice. And, uh, you know, the other thing, getting back to the quick pitch, people tell you all the time, the experts say that the reason you don't see the pitch out in football anymore because the linebackers and the defensive players are so athletic. And yes, they're so they quick now so that the pitch-out doesn't work anymore. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's pretty much a reason. But, yeah, Forte looked uh, awfully good on that screen pass. So there were, in a 41-13 to 13 loss, it was an exhibition game. There were still some positives, Big Doug. So I know you're going to break down tape immediately after this show. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. It's funny, though. We were talking all about this. If, if we can transition to baseball, is this a good time to do it? Absolutely. Because uh, you brought up Justin Verlander yesterday, Coach. Woo! Nineteen. Talk about talk about reactionary radio. I'm sitting on the couch, and they're like Justin glad, Verlander. Glad won you his said couch, game. by the way. I I, had, I got my phone out and I checked. I'm like, it's August 22nd, and he won his 19th game. I thought it was 1937 again. <laughs> I was gonna say, this day and age, we don't get 20 game winners anymore. Yeah, I had to. Go, I re- I had to check my phone. It was like, is are we? I'm in a different time. He's he has a chance. I mean, legitimately, he's gonna have to pitch. Every fifth day, they're going to move him up, so he might. He's not going to pitch every fifth game, every fifth day, every fifth day, the rest of the way, to make sure they get into the playoffs. So well, let me see. There's 30 days in, a, in in September. He's going to have eight more starts, coach, this season. Which is not a not what you want to hear if you're a Chicago White Sox fan who are attempting to chase the at least the tail of the Detroit Tiger right now. And the way the the pace of his season means he's going to win at least six games. And the pace of how he's pitched the last ten games means he's going to win eight games out of the next eight. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to win 27 games, Coach. We're talking anytime you go up above 20 games, when you start getting 22 or 24 wins in this day and age, you're having an MVP-type season. That's just a Cy Young season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talked about Verlander. Uh, a couple, remember, like, a couple weeks ago, we are like, wow, CeCe Sabathia moved. It was like him, Weaver. And Verlander, I think Verlander right now is definitely in the lead. So Maybe the greatest Detroit Tiger pitching performance since let's test the big dogs. A trivia analogy here. I think it was the 1968. One of the most memorable World Series is for me when they beat Bob Gibson and the St. Louis Cardinals. They had two stud pitchers. Who were they, Joe Radwanski? They had uh, Mickey Lovich, who was a fat lefty. Yep. And uh, their number one starter that year was Denny McLean, who went 31-6 and six with a 1.96 ERA. He's right at it. And if you so, didn't hear Big Dog correctly, 31 victories for Denny McLean, uh, almost as many months as he spent in jail after his career. That, that guy cheap. was a slime That's ball. A cheap shot at it, Denny McLean. You know, 
you know, there's there's guys that have done stuff wrong. Yeah. You know, they go to prison and like Flaxobert shoots himself and all that. Denny McLean won Ponzi schemes with his teammates. Okay? It would get his teammates to invest like a hundred bucks, okay? Oh, and they give them back sixty and say, Oh, this is gonna keep on coming. Well, if you're gonna do that, okay. Well, here's here's a thousand dollars. You know, all these guys would do it to them, they never get their money back. Yep. Danny McLean is loathed by anybody who's ever played with him. It's, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Very so very fine. remorseful in his later years. I think I think he passed away. Did he not? Yeah, he he, he got real away about yeah about eight years ago. Yeah, it's he got real real overweight. But uh, boy, for that one season though, and Justin Verlander is he's not going to get thirty one wins, but he's that kind of dominant. Danny McLean and Mickey Lolich were both. Uh, Unbelievable. Yes, David. Uh, Denny McLean just called to say he's still alive. <laughs> Thank you, Denny. Alive? Sorry about that, Denny. Yes, he is still alive. Still alive? He lives in the I Chicagoland area. <laughs> he could does. Seriously? Seriously? Yeah. He lives in Chicago, big day. He could be listening. No, uh, whatever. I'm not really too worried about Denny McLean, <laughs> even though he is the type of guy that, she, that he probably would have, have you beat up in an alley. Yep. So. Just if, if, you, if you get someone signing up for your kayak tour today by the last name of, like, McGillicuddy or, uh, you know, some name that may not be too familiar, you might want to just keep an eye on that kayak. Okay, yeah, like a made-up name, like, you know, hi, I'm Sean Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Paying in cash. Okay. Do we ever get a chance to be alone on this kayak? Yeah, that, I'm going to worry about stuff. Yeah, you're right. I probably should watch my back You can now. see the 10 o'clock news tonight. Gaddafi overthrown and kayak tourist leader found missing. Or not found, how you can't be found missing. Reported missing in Chicago River. <laughs> Which story should we lead off? Qaddafi or lost kayak tourist guide? I think they should lead off with Qaddafi. Yeah, I don't know. Because they're going to find me. Trust me, I'll be found. <laughs> All right. Uh, baseball action. You mentioned the Tigers. They did win 5-2, so they keep their lead. White Sox got a big series coming up starting tonight at Anaheim Dog. It's only a two-game miniseries, but I'm looking forward to these uh, two games. Uh, Obviously, Anaheim is in a must-win situation, so these are two teams in playoff pressure-type mode. Mark Burley and Irvin Santana, that's not a bad pitching duel. Oh, that's a really good pitching duel. Irvin Santana and Mark Burley, these two pitchers right now, some of the hottest in the game of baseball. Yes. Coach. Over the last, over Burley's last nine starts, he's been awesome in eight of them. The last time, I was not so great. And obviously, Irvin Santana, truly, over the last eight starts, only Verlander has been better than him. He's got a no-hitter in there. He's been dominant, really, really dominant. So uh, Irvin Santana is like one of those streaky, streaky pitchers, and right now he's on a hot streak. Should be a great game tonight. White Sox playing better of late, and some of those uh, complimentary pieces are chipping in for the White Sox. Big deal. One guy we've, you and me, have only half-kitted that they should create a 10th man award in baseball for the top all-around utility player, and White Sox Brent Lillibridge, certainly a candidate. He's been big again in the winning streak. It seems like almost all the time when they win, he either does it with his glove, hitting, or a surprising power. I think he hit another big three-run homer over the uh, weekend. Him and Alejandro de Aza, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. They said that the young kid that they yes. that plays uh, shortstop? Nope. I think, he's, I think he's taken Rios' spot a little bit at center field. Okay. Yeah. But the uh, the young kids are pitching in, and they're uh, providing some impetus while Alex Rios and Adam Dunn and Gordon Beckham hopefully can break out of their slumps. Well, uh, Lillibridge is somebody that Kenny Williams is going to want to figure out how to keep. Yes. I, I bet you he's one of the most pursued players in the offseason. And I bet you at the trade deadline, Williams is getting all kinds of offers for Brett Lillibridge. I'm not kidding you. He's, he's one of those guys that you'll, his value will never be uh, – 
his numbers will never actually show the true value that he brings to a team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sox at Anaheim, two-game series, so that's going to be key for both the Anaheim. What, about four back of Texas? Rangers knocked no, no, off. Yeah, unless, unless Texas has been losing games because don't forget when the uh, – they went in there, the Rangers went in there and won three out of four in Anaheim and really put a lot of space in between them. It was at like seven games at that point. Mm-hmm. So and I, so I'm pretty sure it's right in there. So. I think it's four and a half. Wow, so the four Texas has lost some games lately. Yeah, but they didn't lose last night. They beat Boston four to nothing. C.J. Wilson, couple of relievers, shutting out the Red Sox. Big Dog, you shut out the Boston Red Sox lineup. Even though they're missing a couple of players still, that's pretty good uh Pitching performance from a dangerous Texas Ranger team. Yeah, uh, last night, yeah, it was uh, C.J. Wilson pitched, uh, you know, got the win. Uh, Mike Adams and mm-hmm. Natalie Perez to close it out for you. Yep. Mike Adams is the best mid- middle reliever in the game of baseball. And so the Rangers traded for him from the Padres, got a freaking superstar. Uh, the, don't forget that the, the Rangers also traded for Koji Uhara, who got the hold in yesterday's game when it was one to nothing. God bless you. Yeah, so, that, I mean, this is... That that team has the perfect pitching staff right now for a, a playoff run. Yeah, and and they're hitting. We're talking about the Texas Rangers here. They're hitting not too shabby either. No, you, when you got uh, Josh Hamilton, who right now is uh, is on pace to hit like three ten with twenty five mm-hmm. homers, and he's having a bad year so far. Yeah. And how about so, uh, is it Michael Young? Michael Young's still on the Rangers, right? Uh, Michael Young right now is. It's Verlander, Adrian Gonzalez, Jacoby Ellsbury, yeah. and Michael Young. Those four yes. players right now, you're for American League MVP. Right, and he's been they've been putting him at he got replaced at third base, so yeah, he's so, playing a little first base, playing a little third base, playing a little DH, fills in the wherever he's been playing. The guy still hits the hell out of the ball. Yeah, and he's going to have uh, he's going to end up with 200 hits. He's going to lead uh, he's going to lead baseball in hits if it's either him or Starlin Castro, and he's also going to drive in 100. And like you said play first, second, short, third, and he hasn't played outfield, but I'm sure if they he'd go get a bigger glove and go out there if they needed him to. Yeah, I'm just looking at the stats right now. Second in batting with a three thirty seven average. He's got 85 RBIs. Not too bad from a guy. Really, that, people haven't been talking about him. He's having a heck of a season. Yeah, I mean, like, he's going to finish with 110, 115 ribbies, Coach. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an awfully good season for a guy that uh, is someone that you can play at four different positions. Mm-hmm. All right, making a smooth transition from football talk to baseball talk. Two guys at a mic show specializing in smooth transition, folks. That's what we do. Practice, practice, practice. Big Dog, the creator, the master of that particular skill, folks. 888-463-6748. You want to join in on the baseball discussion? Love to hear from you out there. We'll get you right on again. 888-463-6748. Moving from your White Sox, Big Dog, to even more so your Chicago Cub. Uh, they lose yesterday three to nothing, but the real story, a controversy. I don't know how you, how much you followed it, because it is sports reactionary radio. But uh, Starlin Castro sat yesterday after being criticized in a Sunday night national TV game for not paying attention. That's exactly what happened, Coach. He's looking up in the sky, turns his back to the plate as the ball is being delivered. Not a uh, that needs to be corrected. They sat him down. Oh, Starla Castro can end up being great. It just, you know, just, the kid has to learn. You can't do stuff like that. You have to stay mm-hmm. in the game on every pitch. You know, if, and that's the name of the job. That's your job. If you are a major league baseball player and you're on the field and if you want to make a lot of money and, and, and support the next 30 generations of your family, then your job constitutes for three hours every mm-hmm. single day that when you're batting, you take every pitch like it's the last one you'll ever see. And when you're out on the field, 
you have to be cohesive with eight other people on every single pitch. And, and if you don't like that, go get a job back in the Dominican Republic where you don't have to concentrate all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be the, – the kid has to learn, folks. He has to. That, that's unacceptable. It's an embarrassment. To be quite honest with you, to him, he should be thoroughly embarrassed, and hopefully mm-hmm. it will never happen again. Bobby Valentine ripping him and a little bit the Cub coaching staff, too, for allowing it to go on. If you watch him, Big Dog, from the start of the year, he is – how do we? He's a fidgety player out there. It's almost like he's got the attention deficit disorder. He does need to be, you know, different styles work for different guys, but he does need to be moving around. He seems to be, um, it's kind of hard to put your finger on. I guess fidgety is the best way I could put it, but it's not like he's just a stationary stare at the runners, mentally think what's going on. He has to be moving, it appears, to get himself in the mode to, uh, to perform. Yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I, I understand. So, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad. Thing. He's young. He's got that. He's got that look where you know it's his rookie year. He can't get too off kilter. But I hesitate to say this, but there there might be a little bit of Carlos Zambrano and Starlin Castro where he's going to be a uh, you know love him at times and maybe hate him at times too. He's got that look like he could cause a little controversy over the years. I, I, I'm really afraid he might be right, coach. I, I'm not. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon because I love the kid and. He seems to be a good kid, and he hustles. It's, it's lack of attention to detail that, that's hurt him mm-hmm. in, in his career so far. And that's, that's a perfect example. And you talked yeah. about how he needs to be moving. You're exactly right, because like you hit him a ground ball where he can square up, get his butt down, catch it, square up to the first baseman and throw it, and he's inconsistent when that happens. And yeah. all of a sudden you throw one up the middle, and he's yeah. got to go flying, yep. you know, make some crazy reach and grab for the ball spin around and throw it off his heels, and he mm-hmm. throws it right at the chest of the first yeah. baseman. You're like, how the heck did he do that? He's much and after, yeah. much more comfortable making that, that movement-type spectacular play than he is the routine play where you got to stop and think about that. How that carries over into his batting and running, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But uh, there's a very high upside to Starlin Castro, but there's also there's a basement that could be visited at times, too. His partner over there, Darwin Barney, I think would be the opposite of that. That guy's just rock solid. I don't know if his ceiling is high as Starlin Castro, but uh, hopefully the two of them can fit each other well and, and you know mesh together because they're a nice combo. Now you, you summed it up. You summed it up really well. Darwin Barney is the guy. Well, by the way, have you seen the catch that he made to break up Dan Ugla's? Uh, still, have, I still have not. Okay, well, so it's not like he can't make the, the incredible plays because he makes. Right now, if you think about it, Orlando Hudson, O-Dog, who is on a different team every year, and he's, he was on the Padres this year, <laughs> it, it seems like that guy was the king of second baseman of going out into the outfield and making ridiculous catches. I think Darwin Barney is the new guy in Major League Baseball for that coach. He does it all the time. Legitimately, you if you're if you're a right-handed batter like Derek Jeter and you just want to flip one over the second baseman's head and you know and try to you know maybe get a, a single or a double. You can't do that with the Cubs. Darwin Barney will go and get it. He's mm-hmm. awesome. And you, but, but you're right. He's the type of guy that, you know, routine ground ball, I'm 100% confident he's going to get up there, drop his butt, get his hands down, and, and you know, and make a perfect play. Mm-hmm. But Darwin Castro's got to learn that. He's got to, and, and unlike Darwin Barney, he has no idea situationally. You know, when they're like, should we hit him first, second, or third? Like, does it matter? If he's leading off, it's not like he's going to take more pitches. If he's batting second, he's not going to hit behind runners. If he's batting third, he's not going to look for a pitch to drive. Mm-hmm. He's just always going to be Starlin Castro. 
So when is he going to wake up and realize that she actually has to think in this I game? I believe they're in the off season. They're planning on having uh, Corey Patterson and Felix Pa talk to Starlin Castro a little bit about plate discipline. <laughs> <laughs> what a revenue our guy Felix Pa. He's still in the majors, right? Yeah, he's a uh, he's a fifth outfielder for the for the Orioles. He's a he's a pretty good defensive uh, backup coach. Uh-huh. Nothing to be ashamed of. He's not a good. Major, major league player, but he's a major league baseball player. I was a big fan of Felix P.A., big dog and a coach here. Phone lines open, 888-463-6748. You got Cubs uh, taking on the Atlanta Braves yesterday. The Nationals knocked off Arizona. Uh, the red-hot Arizona Diamondbacks have now lost six in a row. Big dog, their lead is down to a game. I guess for our listeners out in Arizona and the Phoenix area, one of the positives is if you're going to have a slump, which every team does over the 162 games, now's there's still a game ahead of Frisco, so now's your pretty good time to have a slump. Maybe they got that out of their system. I don't know. That's again just for our Arizona fans out there. Well, we'll see. I mean, you got to worry about the Giants because yep. Tim Lincecum is renowned for dominating September, and that's why everybody wanted to know why I drafted him in the third round of baseball drafts because that's why. Because mm-hmm. that's how you win is in September. You know he's going to run off like five victories. I'm not kidding. You could, the Giants can almost know that they're going to get a stud pitcher in Lincecum once September happens. So the, the Diamondbacks need some space. And you got to figure that don't the Giants have to eventually start hitting? They've played I – mean, they haven't hit at all this year, and they're only one game back. So it, it should be a really good race down to the down to the finish. So we're going to see whether – the Diamondbacks' brand-new bullpen this year can continue to pitch like it has so far this year, mm-hmm. and whether or not like the, the all the young players they have, and they got a lot of young players, coach, uh, can continue to to produce like they have. Because you figure the Giants are going to figure out how to get three three runs a game, and that's yep. basically all they need to do. Yep. A Pablo Sandoval sacrifice fly, you know, and then Mike Fontenot hits into a double play that scores a run. That's two mm-hmm. runs right there, coach. Yep. Giants had, figure it out. Yeah, they and they had that quiet confidence knowing that they did it last year too. Arizona's mm-hmm. players, you know, trying to prove. I don't think they have anybody left over from their uh, championship years of what four or five years ago. So they no, no, it was two thousand and one, coach, and no, okay. nobody's left. Yeah. So the Giants had that confidence factor. Another team uh, rolling along very happily and merrily are the Milwaukee Brewers. They split doubleheader with Pittsburgh. Uh, they won the first game, Big Dog. After winning that game, it made them similar to the White Sox, Trika, last year. An amazing 23-3 and over their last 26 games. They did lose the game two of the doubleheader, but after winning that first one, 23-3. and That's what you call a good streak. Yeah, and they, they lose a Zach Greinke on the mound. So they explain that one. Yeah, 20, that's, a, that's an excellent streak, Coach, and that is about as hot as any team has really been in, in the history of the game, if you think about it. So the longest streak ever in, for in, in, this, in baseball history is 26 games in a row mm-hmm. by the Giants in, like, 19, like 20. Ah, who could forget think it? Think about it. That's only three games better in a 26-game span. So, I mean, the Brewers really had a historic run. 23-3 doesn't happen very often. As a matter of fact, you can go three or four years without mm-hmm. a team winning 23 out of 26 baseball games. You know, maybe, and I mentioned the White Sox had a streak like that. What was it, two years ago? It was, um, last year? It was last year. Last year. They went through like a 28-game streak where they were like 24-4. and four Yeah. Is what it was. It was, yeah. they, they, it was that good of a streak. Where it, mm-hmm. And they got totally back into the race at that point. And then right when they... Right when they were back in it, and everyone was like, oh, the Sox are contending. They was, I think they lost like 10 out of 13 right mm-hmm. afterwards. Well, let me throw this out to you, because prior mm-hmm. to the Milwaukee streak, 
The Brewers were sort of the National League version of the Chicago White Sox. And when I say that, I'm talking about a team that would look good and then go on a maddening losing streak. Look good for a little bit and go on a maddening losing streak. Maybe the Brewers played at a slightly higher level, but it was kind of similar to what our White Sox and fans have been going through. Maybe, maybe, Big Dog, final month of the season, the White Sox have one of those runs left in them, similar to the Milwaukee Brewers. And and, and the Tigers don't scare you at all. If you, if you take out Justin Verlander games, yep. Do the, do the Tigers scare you whatsoever? Miguel Cabrera? He scares I mean, me. I, 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 he does, but I mean, nothing up. Brennan Bosch and those guys, uh, Johnny Peralta. Johnny Peralta's starting to come crashing down. Mm-hmm. He was having the season of his career, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, he was having a career season, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you now he's not doing anything. So I don't fear the Tigers. The White Sox, without question, still have a chance to, to win the American League Central. And, you know, it's funny as you talk about how the Brewers have been up and down. The Brewers have been up and down because they can't catch the baseball. I, I can't believe they won 23 out of, out of 26 games. I, I can honestly say that their pitching and hitting are, are good enough that they can win a five and two seven game series. But going as well as they did with as bad as they catch the ball, that that was shocking. I mean, the, the White Sox have that problem right now too. They're, that's their issue. Way too many like fielding gas and fielding errors. I don't know how many times I've heard Hawk Harrelson say "Gummit" this year, but it's the most <laughs> ever. They've had more bonehead and dumb plays than. Yeah than any White Sox team has had in a long time, and I've watched a lot of White Sox games this year. So that's, that's their issue. So mm-hmm. if, nope, they have nobody to blame but themselves this year. That's most, one of those things. Most of know, the like, dadgummits have come in the outfield. It was uh, early dadgummits via Juan Pierre, middle of the season dadgummits versus, uh, courtesy of Alex Rios, and then a few dadgummits of late uh, the way of Carlos Quentin, who is now injured, so we might not see a dadgummit out in right field. Yeah, like if you're the Angels, you know you can say, you know what, we haven't played the greatest, but you know the Rangers are real, real good. Shrug your shoulders. This season, you know, isn't what we turn out to be. But if you're the White Sox, you look in the mirror and you're just like, we're better than the Tigers, we're better than the Indians, and yet we're playing like the Royals. Heck, the Royals are playing better than the White Sox. You know, the record is different, as they seem to be playing better baseball. It's been bad baseball this year on the mm-hmm. South Side, Coach. Yeah, Cleveland uh, Indians, by the way, were the other team in contention. Um... White Sox are at 500. The Cleveland Indians, after that great start, and they're, you know, I don't know if you call it a miracle season, but one of the surprise teams of the league, they are finally all the way back to 500. The dream is coming to a close. Big Dog Cleveland is back to mediocrity. I I don't think they're going to finish above 500 either, and the White Sox are going to pass the Indians' coach. It's too bad because both them and Pittsburgh, and me and I still, Cleveland could still come back and win the whole darn thing too. They still have a little magic left. But Cleveland and Pittsburgh were two of the great stories, low-budget teams, surprise teams uh, that have been losing for years, finally winning this year in both those stories. They didn't collapse, but both of them have faded a little bit. Oh, no, they've definitely faded a little bit. The Indians, well, the Pirates went through a collapse. Yes. Because they they went what was it coach two and sixteen out of eighteen games or like four and eighteen? Yeah, it was a rough streak. They lost yeah, like what so ten? They think they lost nine in a row. The Indians have had a slow. They're like getting poisoned by the wife that you don't know <laughs> hates. That's what happened. It's, it's been a slow death for the Indians all year long, mm-hmm. and it's like a, a really tough loss once a week. Where it's like oh, Chris Perez, oh he's dominant at the last. Oh, he just gave up a, a grand slam to lose the game. You know, it's been like that all year for the Indians. Ever since, I mean, they were playing 680 or maybe even 700 baseball on like May 10th. And they've been just, it seems like just three and four every single week. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, 
little baseball round em up wrap em up courtesy of the big dog and the coach. By the way, speaking of baseball, a topic uh, we certainly brought up a lot more last year. And quite frankly, I haven't missed it, but I'll bring it up right now. The Little League World Series is going on, big dog. I don't know if you've been watching, but uh, some of the best of the best of 12 year old baseball on ESPN right there for you. Yeah, most of the stuff I've been doing lately has been in the evening. So I actually have had uh, some afternoons off. And mm-hmm. man, is it, that's some fun stuff to watch. And it's, it really cracks up when, when you see Adam Dunn of the White Sox drop a throw from, like, say, Ramirez that hit him in his glove that he didn't have to bend over for. Yeah. And then you see these, these plays that these little leaguers are making all over the world. So again, mm-hmm. it's, how come the average height of a person in Chinese Taipei, the man, is, is, uh, basically like 1.3 meters tall? Okay. And how come all their 12 year old boys that play on the Chinese Taipei team are, are 1.6 meters tall, coach? How come the 12 year old boys on this team are taller well, than the average man I in think China? The obvious answer to that is a select team and they're particularly athletic and particularly physical. It's not an, that, that team is not a natural cross section of players. How's that for an answer? Yeah, I think we're going back to the old Chinese Taipei days of the 1980s when they were, uh, yep. using 16 year olds. <laughs> I'm not kidding, coach. This Chinese Taipei team again is massive. They're massive. They, they won't knock off my boys from Billings, Montana. Uh, we got to wrap it up, dog. Any uh, the females today, if they want to track you down, where might you be? He's single, he's eligible, and he's good-looking. Two out of three is not bad. Oh, Emma, I didn't know I didn't know all those things. I didn't know I was eligible. Of course single. you are. Where are you going to be? You going to be out of the river? Yeah, I'll be out on the river, Coach, doing a, uh, a uh, what do you call it, Beautiful. workout paddle. All right, watch out for the guy named McGillicuddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow, big dog. Peace. For the coach of the big dog, David Olson, our producer, thank you so much for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com signing off. Have a great day.